Hey, 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 folks, welcome back. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about transitioning from single family homes or flips or small deals and getting into larger multifamily type properties? Well, if you have, today's guests will definitely have something to share with you. So I'm speaking with a real estate investing power couple zooming in from beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. We have Jeff and Dakota Barker. Hey, you guys, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about your real estate investing journey, because I'm looking at two good looking young faces, but you've got <laughs> a lot of experience behind you already. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the journey. So I think I, I think I look younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> just own it just own it love it hey every, uh, I, I i tend to make everybody look young uh, next to me so <laughs> no you're looking good thank you uh, so our our real estate journey actually i should let jeff take this because jeff is really the reason that we are in real estate in the first place it started about five and a half years ago i guess yeah, yeah so what so sparked what sparked it first there for you jeff what kind of got you going <laughs> I've, I've just kind of, I've known that real estate is a good place to invest. I never knew really how to get into it. Um, I was always a big fan of HGTV shows, okay. um, yeah. income property being a big one with Scott McGilvery. Yeah. So he was actually coming to Ottawa to do like a one day seminar on the weekend. And I dragged Dakota to come to that event because I really wanted to see what it was about and how I could get involved in real estate. Mm -hmm. And Dakota at first didn't want to go. No, I because I'd, I'd left out the the Scott McGilvery part of it at first. Yeah, I just I should have led with that, buddy. <laughs> I know. Well, that's in the end. That's how I got there. Uh, but I like I had just graduated from university. I like was a year and a half, I think, into my what was supposed to be my career, my forever career. So, yeah. you know, I was like doing my which, thing, which was my, what? Just out of curiosity, what, what what were you doing, Dakota? So nothing related to business or real estate. I was in medicine. So I was a physician assistant before wow. this. Wow. Okay. Very, yeah. very good. Yeah. That's a good long-term career path for sure. That's All what right. I thought. <laughs> that's what you thought. Yeah. So you, you got hooked on Scott McGilvery coming to town and you went, you saw the one day thing. Then what happened? Well, I got on board. I think that's that was one of the biggest pieces. Um, I've always had an entrepreneur piece to me that I had never really explored. And it, it started from like, both my parents are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I was like the kid with the lemonade stand on the side of the road growing up. So I had that piece in me, but I had never really explored it. So as soon as we went to this one day, I understood it. I like math too. So I understood the numbers. I understood the business side of it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get it now. This is something that I think we should look into a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So, so what were your first steps, your first forays into real estate investing? Did you look back on the uh, revenue revenue property show and decide, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to, or did you start doing flips or what did, what did you get started with you guys? It actually sort of did in, in line, come in line with, uh, with income property because the first project we did, first investment project that we did was uh, a secondary dwelling unit conversion project. So turning a single family home into a duplex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We spent a lot of the initial year educating ourselves. Uh, probably might've been getting ourselves a little bit into analysis paralysis in the first year, but we were 
we were really just trying to figure out what this thing is because it was new to us, right? We knew it made sense, but we had no idea what this real estate world was. So we started, we went to networking events. Um, we joined like networking communities, went to a couple conferences. And then about a year after we were like, all right, let's go. It's time, time to, to pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, and the one day seminar thing turned into a three-day workshop where a lot of strategies and, and stuff were, were really laid out. And yeah, so that yeah, that's, started that's the way it works. It Hook them with the one day, get them into yeah. the three days, sell them into the hundred percent, but it was, there was so it, much it, education it behind it. Right. Oh, that, for sure. So that, yeah. that was uh, that was a big turning point in looking at this from a lens of, or like, like through the, through window shopping, right? Like, Oh, is this, is this something that I can do? And then the, the three-day workshop turned it into, absolutely, this is something I can do. And these are different strategies that I can use to, to right. get myself there. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like a fire hose at the beginning, right? There's, oh, yeah. It's like yeah. this smorgasbord of, of options and opportunities. It's very easy to go down that path of, oh, I got to learn everything before I do anything, right? So, yeah. yeah. So you guys took action. You started doing stuff. So Fast forward to today, what has your real estate journey looked like? So what, oh God, what kind of deals have you done? What's that? <laughs> we skip it's, over a lot by, by fast forwarding to today. Well, we got we got a limited we'll amount do, of time. So yeah, fair, we'll do the, the little piece. Um, yeah. So like Jeff mentioned, we did our first project was a, a, a secondary dwelling unit conversion, or if you're not in Ottawa, converting the basement into a secondary legal suite, suite yeah. whatever mm -hmm. you call that in your area. Uh, from there, we decided we liked renovations. The first project, I think like anyone's project was really tough. Yep. And like other crazy investors, we came out the other end and we were like, all right, let's do it again. Yeah. So we decided we liked the renovation space. So we did more flips, more secondary dwelling unit conversions, uh, but eventually realized that our, our end goal was buy and hold. Mm -hmm. And that's where the initial SDU conversion came in. Uh, we took a bit of a detour with the flips and then we we're like, no, we want to get back to what we started doing. We want to mm. do buy and hold. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you've gotten experience doing a renovations. You got enticed with the idea of doing flips because it's all these other people doing flips and supposedly making tons of money doing that. Mm -hmm. So you did that and which is mm -hmm. good, but then you realize that that is very, very active real estate investing yeah. and you're only profiting from one little pop of cash or big pop of cash, whatever at the mm -hmm. end of the deal, but there's nothing passive about that. You have to do another one right after you finish that one. So you like the idea of long-term buy and hold because eventually, you know, it, it, it can become a, a passive kind of an investment. Yeah. And that's where the, the true wealth is, is generated as well as with the buy and hold. Right. Yeah. Initially when we got into the flips, uh, we were actually looking to replace our income on our right. nine to five okay. jobs. And so that was more just a faster way to, to get um, the income to replace, to replace our jobs. And that's essentially what we did with flips. And once we, once we got out, then we said, you know what, let's, let's transition over into the buy and hold space. The only way that it makes sense to us is multifamily. Okay, yeah. very good. So when, when did that light bulb kind of spark for you guys? And what's been the, because you learned all this great kind of single family home type stuff and SDU conversion stuff with uh, McGilvery and gang. And then you're looking into multifamily space. I know you guys are a big part of uh, uh, Alfonso's group with, with wealth genius. Is, is that kind of what sparked the whole multifamily idea for you? 
we wanted to get into multifamily first yeah. and then we reached out to Alfonso to learn how to do it yeah. essentially. Yeah. Again, it was buy and hold was our initial goal from like that from the beginning. We knew, you know, you learned about the profit centers. We liked the idea that there were multiple ways to make income in in a buy and hold real estate. You're not relying on one profit center. Mm-hmm. So we knew from the beginning that was our goal. We just needed to do some other steps along the way to get us to be able to do that full time. We just knew that cash flow wasn't going to replace our nine to five income. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tough with uh, smaller properties, mm-hmm. even multiple smaller properties, especially in and around Ontario, British Columbia, yes. where prices and cash flow are are a challenge. And now with interest rates and all that good stuff, even a little bit more of a squeeze sometimes. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious, you guys, it makes sense. And now you're transitioning into multifamilies. Have you closed on a, an apartment building yet, or are you still kind of in the process? We have been working on a deal yeah. since January. And Actually, we're, by the time yeah, this we're, we're almost the end of July right now. So yeah, that's yeah. working hard on a deal. Yeah. 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 So this is in a month. So yeah. I don't know when this is when this is going to air, but we may have already probably on. right after it's closed. So we'll say congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So tell, been, tell us about uh, this first multifamily deal. What what is it looking like? It's uh, it's twenty four units. So it's wow. two existing uh, twelve unit buildings. They were just built uh, five years ago and four years ago, okay. just outside of Ottawa. So in a secondary market um, around Ottawa. Um, it also has, so it has the two buildings that exist, and there's also a lot that we can build an additional 12 to 14 units on what it's zoned for Very currently. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully, we're hoping we can work with the city and build a little bit bigger, but we'll see what we can do there. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we're building another 12 units. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very so good. So it's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal for us. You know, we've, we were doing, we've been doing buy and hold since we started, but this is obviously a big step from doing some of the smaller multis into this. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited to do it. We've obviously worked on this one for a while, but we also had some other deals under contract prior to this that we had worked on. And the mm-hmm. deals, like the numbers, just as we got into the due diligence, didn't make sense. So we had to let them go. So it's nice to see one to the finish line. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this is very exciting, you guys. Are you working on this as the primary active partners in the deal or do you have other active partners involved in this with you have you brought on have you syndicated this or have you brought on joint venture partners for, to help out with the the money and the down payment how, how does it kind of look what's the structure yeah all of the above actually so we have an active partner as well um mm-hmm. and then we're raising the capital for uh joint venture partnerships well actually it's going to be a shareholder agreement okay um just to keep it lean and clean yeah. yeah. Um, with a but, deal that size, it's hard to get into. A, we've done the joint ventures with some of our smaller stuff before, but a deal that size, you're getting into more of your GPLP, this right. one in particular shareholder agreement. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. So, for folks that aren't familiar with that, can you give us big, broad strokes? How does a shareholder agreement work in this kind of, in this kind of scenario? Yeah. Uh, I guess most simply put, you're opening up a corporation. You're buying the asset with that corporation and everybody that is involved in the deal, whether you're on the active side or on the passive side is a shareholder. And the shareholders agreement is what determines what your role is and what your responsibilities are. Yeah. Very cool. So, and like, what's, and a, what, what percentage ownership you have of the 
corporation in this case, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's nice when you have only a few people involved because it's nice, it's simple, it's clean. When you start getting into GPLP, it gets a bit more complicated. There's more lawyer stuff that's involved. Um, It's a bit harder to explain. We find to investors as well. Obviously it's a great tool to have, but when it's a few people involved, it's nice to keep it nice, simple, lean, clean. Definitely. Now I know you guys are just getting started with this, but based on your understanding, what's kind of the threshold of the number of, let's say more passive investors that you bring onto one of these kind of projects in order to keep it in that shareholder agreement realm? I think for this one, we have, we're going to be around four to five people that are involved. Yeah. In talking to our lawyer, she was okay with having like nine or 10 people on it, but even still, that seemed like, that seemed like too much for (laughs) yeah perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes sense. So four or five investor partners, you and your other active partner as the, the principals, the GPs, for lack of a better term, I guess. yeah. Okay, cool. And how have you, if you don't mind sharing, how have you guys structured this with ownership percentage between active partners and the passive partners? Yeah. So this is a big question that we get um, a lot, especially from newer investors. Some of our students is how do we know how to, how to make this split? Yeah. So some of the things that we look at when we're making that split is when are the passive investors going to get their initially invested capital back? That's a that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, how much and how much work are are the managing partners going to be putting into this deal? So uh, with this one, because they're relatively newer, they're new buildings, right? So mm-hmm. we're not walking into these doing a big massive reno, overhauling yeah. the building. Thank goodness. Um, and given that they're new builds, it's actually with these ones, the the return of capital isn't that far off, but Normally with a newer build, it's a bit of a longer stretch. So we tend to do a heavier percentage onto the passive investor side. So this one we have structured as a 60-40. So 60% going to the the passive side and 40% Mm -hmm. onto the active side. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And you say that you anticipate being able to cash your passive investors or get their their initial investment out of the deal relatively quickly. How's, how's that going to happen if there's, doesn't sound like there's a heck of a lot of lift on this property because they're already in pretty good shape. So what are you guys going to be doing differently? Oh, yeah. but there is some lift. So oh. before, before we say anything, it's all relative, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with new builds, it can be like 10, 15 years before they see their initially invested capital back. And that's kind of normal because you're not mm-hmm. lifting the building really at all. Uh, the nice thing with, the buildings that we have, um, we're walking in with equity. So we've been able to negotiate. We, we understood what the, the sellers wanted. We knew oh, you got how a deal to on them. work with them. Yeah. So even though they're new builds, we have them, uh, what is it now? 640K, I think, under their appraised value. Nice. So we have a decent amount of equity walking into it. And then some of the units are under rented. So with the one of the buildings being uh, built after 2018, not following rent control, we can play with the rents a little bit more, not to like be crazy and kick everybody out with rent increases, but we have a bit more flexibility that way. So there's a tiny bit of lift and there's also the equity on the buy. Well, 600 grand is is more than a tiny bit of lift. That's that ain't too bad. So (laughs) we worked hard for that. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You walked into some instant equity and, and there is 
room for improvement with the rental rates with some of the units right now. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you guys. Very, very cool. So what have been a few of your like, well, here's a, actually, here's another question I have for you guys. So you were in the past doing the flips to create the active income to replace salaries at jobs. Now you're getting into the multifamily space, which is great. However, another challenge with that is, you know, the cash flow is going to be okay, but it's more of a long-term play. So if you're not doing flips anymore, is there anything that you guys have done to kind of replace that active income? It's a very good question. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that we're doing is we're actually managing the properties with our property management company. So nice. that yeah. has created some income for us. Really, it's coming from a lot of different pockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, multiple streams at this point. Yeah, so that's part of it. Uh, we have a couple of other property or projects that we've been doing. And we do things for ourselves like uh, asset management fees and um, acquisition fees because the way that we structure our deals, we don't take any of the cut until our investors have all of their initially invested capital back. Wow. So that kind of allows us to pay ourselves while giving the investors their initially invested capital back. Keeps us interested in the... Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to be, right? There's, there's yeah. got to be a carrot there for it to be yeah, worthwhile exactly. for you. Otherwise, it's this way out in the future five, 10, 15 years kind of thing, which is, is hard to maintain. All right. So to feed that back in, in kind of plain English, you're, you're keeping the lights on with different, different ways of, of generating income, property management, et cetera. With these newer deals that you're finding, you're charging a, an acquisition fee, which makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense, right? So you're finding the deal, doing the due diligence, all that kind of stuff. So part of what the investors bring to the table. You take a, a small percentage there to keep things going, right? Because you're not yeah. going to be seeing cash flow for a while. And yeah. then you're going to be managing the asset itself. And you're going to be doing the property management on these 24 units. And rightly so, you're charging uh, a small fee for that because you'd have to anyhow, if you, if you had outside yeah. management, you'd be exactly. paying for that. So you might you guys might as well do that. That makes a lot of sense, you guys. Very, very cool. So what are the the goals moving ahead? What where where do you see yourselves going over the next? Well, you're just getting this one up and going. So let's say over the next 24 months. What if you could wave the realistic magic wand? What would you like to accomplish? Oh, I just want more of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want like more. I've, yeah. I've written I've written a goal down and I write it down every day of a fifty million dollar portfolio. In two years. Well, I hadn't really put a 24. I hadn't put 24 months on it, but I, I think that it's doable. I yeah. just hadn't well, put With prices on in Ontario, just... that's uh, that's doable. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, this one's a pretty good chunk of that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, sure. I like There it. you go. We'll we, do it. we have we <laughs> dialed it in. That is fantastic, you guys. So it sounds like you've really jumped into the whole uh, raising capital or bringing on joint venture partners or partners in this, money partners in this case. What what have you guys kind of learned over the years doing that? What have you found that has worked best for you for finding these kind of money partners? I'd say the the biggest thing that we've learned is the importance of actually developing relationships with yeah. people. Um, I see a lot of people that are trying to raise capital and they 
uh, we'll put people on a list. They'll just get emails from wherever, put them on the list, send out these deals. And one of the biggest questions I ask them is how, like, when are you actually meeting them? When are you learning their goals? Mm-hmm. When, when are you communicating with them? Like not just through an email you're sending to your whole list. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that piece because people are going to invest with you when they know you and they like you and they trust you. Mm-hmm. Not just randomly because they like the deal. Not, I mean, because, you're, will. not because you're spamming them. Yeah. yeah. Even, <laughs> and even if you have the, the best deal, like you'll have the odd person that's just going to jump on board with you. But that happens very rarely. So for the most part, you're creating those relationships. And those are so important when you're raising capital. So that's well the biggest thing I think that I've learned in the process. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. On that, on that same topic, if we're the ones that are raising the capital, we still want to make sure that passive investors that we bring on board, that they meet our criteria. Yeah, we're, we're also, no, I don't want to say interviewing them, but we're, we're also um, just building that relationship to ensure that we're going to have a good business relationship, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to just bring anybody on board and then all of a sudden, now we're we're bumping heads because we don't agree on something. The goals don't and align. The goals are like that. Yeah, the timelines don't align. These kind of things, exactly. Yeah. No, very very wise words, you guys, and that's something that that I completely resonate with because yeah, I see a lot of people just spamming their deals, especially on social media, which is very. I that just makes my hair stand up with little hair I have left, but you know what I mean because. Uh, not that I'm a lawyer or securities guy, but my understanding is the way most people are doing this, they're crossing the line with securities, right? They're soliciting mm-hmm. investors on Facebook or in public yeah. groups or, and it's, and they get away with it until they don't. And then that's, that's dangerous, but you're absolutely right about until they don't. Yeah. having that genuine connection with people. So one of my, my favorite things is Instead of waiting until you got a deal and then scrambling to bring on investor partners, I always recommend have those conversations going on all the time, just mm-hmm. like you guys are talking about, right? Be meeting with people, find out what their, what their goals are, show them an example of the kind of deals that you guys are, are doing or going to be doing and, and get them engaged, get them enrolled ahead of time. So when you've got that mm-hmm. deal in the pipeline, instead of going out to everybody, you're going out to a, a small group of people and saying, Hey guys, good news. We got one. It looks like it's really good. And, you know, and hopefully you got more people lined up than you actually need. And that mm-hmm. creates a little bit of, uh, well, a little bit of scarcity, a little bit of incentive mm-hmm. to take action rather urgency. than just hum and haw urgency. Exactly. Yeah. Urgency. Yeah. yeah. So th- I, I think you guys are on, on a good track if, if that's what you're doing for sure. Yeah, yeah and we are using social media, but we're not doing it in the sense that we're soliciting to everybody and, and anybody. Yeah. We're using social media more to attract investors to us. And then mm-hmm. we push to like a Zoom call or whatever. And we we build a relationship from there. Mm-hmm. And then we don't like we're not going to offer any type of a, a deal on the first call. We want to actually make sure that we're we're building a good relationship with them. And yeah, that's really like smart. Dakota said, make sure that the goals align. Yeah, I yes. think you don't have to be afraid of social media. You just have to do it the right way where post your walkthroughs, post your like mm-hmm. what you're doing day to day. And then people will just reach out and be like, hey, what are you doing? It looks yeah. cool. Can I like kind of more about it? How can I get involved? Yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. And that way they're coming to you. You're not chasing after them. They want that conversation. They want that meeting. And mm-hmm. that that's a complete night and day from 
like you guys are talking about spamming everybody and desperately yeah. hoping somebody will invest. Good stuff, you guys. So, hey, time flies when we're having fun. If people would like to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I think our website would probably be best, opiniconinvestments.com. Yeah, you can book a meeting there. You can learn more about us. Check out what what we're up to. Uh, we, yeah, we'd love to connect. Very. Where, where does Opinicon come from? What does that mean? So it's my, I grew up um, on Opinicon Lake, okay. which is uh, just, I guess, a couple hours outside of Ottawa. And uh, that's where my family cottage was. And it just, it ties in with our why a little bit on wanting to spend more time out at the lake with our family. And the name just sounded cool. Nice. I like it. I would, that, <laughs> it has that some history and it has some future. <laughs> it does. Awesome, you guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for being on the show and everybody. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you on the next episode.